welcome to Everything Under the Sun, a weekly podcast answering all the most pressing questions children have about life on Earth. Let's begin with our first question, which is about numbers. Such an interesting question, and it comes from Sophia. Over to Sophia. My name is Sophia Dinelliuk. I'm seven years old. I, of course, live with my mum, dad, little sister Alexa, and our dog, Chaos. I absolutely love maths. My question is, who thought of the name for the numbers and why did they choose them? Hi, Sophia. Thanks for your totally excellent question. I thought this one was a great one for an expert. So I've summed up stellar mathematician Marcus de Sotoy. Marcus is a professor of maths at Oxford University and writes a lot of books about maths as well as articles, TV shows and radio programmes. He also plays the trumpet and likes football and has a cat called Freddy Lundberg. I won't ask his cat to answer the question. I'll ask Marcus. Over to Marcus. Hi, Sophia. And so great to hear that you absolutely love numbers. And what a great question. I'm actually not too sure why we give the numbers the names we do, but I do know a little bit more about the way we write our numbers and where that came from. And quite often we write numbers really just to represent almost the number of things we're actually trying to record. So, for example, if you look at the ancient Mayan culture, They would represent the numbers one, two, three, four by writing one dot, two dots, three dots, four dots. But then it gets a little confusing with five dots because it's quite hard to distinguish that between five or four or six. So they do something quite clever, which is to put a line through the four dots. So a line represents the number five. And other cultures use kind of similar different ideas. So, for example, the ancient Babylonians use symbols drawn in clay represent numbers actually all the way up to 59 and they work base 60 which is actually where we get the 60 minutes that we have in our hour. The ancient Egyptians they used hieroglyphics so they like drawing little pictures for each of their numbers so for example a hundred is a coil of rope a ten thousand is a finger and a frog is used to represent the number a hundred thousand. And the way we write our numbers actually comes from the Indians and they're called the Hindu Arabic numerals because the Arabs brought them to Europe. And actually the way we write our numbers is quite similar to this idea of the Mayans that you can sort of see how the number two, three and four actually comes from two dots, three dots and four dots because if you put two dots down and sort of join them up with a kind of little loop and a tail, you get the number two. If you put three dots down in a kind of vertical line and join those up then you would get a kind of figure three kind of two loops and actually four you can represent with sort of the lines joining four dots so it seems like our numbers the way we write them might actually be connected to the idea of writing dots which represent that number thanks so much marcus for your wonderful answer and telling us all about numbers and how they got their shapes I'm so glad to know you like maths, Sophia. I thought I wasn't that into it until my son started learning maths at primary school. But since he loves maths so much, he's made me interested in numbers again with his endless questioning. Like, what's infinity minus one? 
is pi? What's a million times a million times a million? What's the biggest number? That's what I'm going to need to get answered on everything under the sun soon. A big thank you to Marcus and Sophia. And Sophia, keep up the maths. Now it's time for our next question, which comes from Delilah. Over to Delilah. Hi, I'm Delilah and I'm nine years old and I like to draw and go out for runs with my mum. And my question is, do all of our fingers have the same fingerprints? Bye. Hi, Delilah. Thank you so much for sending such a wonderful question. No, our fingers all have different fingerprints. Each one on each of your fingers is one of a kind and every person's fingerprint on each finger is unique. Just imagine how many fingerprints that makes in the world. Well, since we just talked maths, there are about 7.7 billion people in the world. And most people, although not all, have 10 fingers, if you include thumbprints. So that's around 70.7 billion different fingerprints in the world. Now, your fingerprints first form before you are born. There are three types of fingerprint patterns. They're called loops, walls and arches. And these form in the womb when you're a little embryo. Just before you're 10 to 15 weeks old, when your fingerprints develop, your fingertips have what are called volar pads, V-O-L-A-R. They're smooth pads of blood vessels and connective tissues. And as the hand continues to develop in weeks 10 to 15, that's when you get your fingerprints. As the volar pads are absorbed back into the hands, your fingerprints begin to appear. And depending on how that happens, that depends on the patterns that you get. If the volar pads are very prominent as the fingerprints develop, you'll get wall patterns. And if they're less exposed, you'll get a loop. And if the volar pads are fully absorbed, by the time your fingerprints appear, then you'll have an arch pattern. So have a look at your fingerprints. What do you have on your fingerprints? Which patterns do you have? Even identical twins don't have identical fingerprints. Because they are so unique, fingerprints have been used for centuries to identify people. Even as far back as ancient Babylon, people pressed the tips of their fingers into clay to record business transactions. Now, my favourite fingerprint fact I read about at the Science Museum in London is that you can't tell the difference between a koala and a human fingerprint. So if you want to rob a bank and don't want your fingerprints to be picked up, take a koala with you and use their fingerprints instead. Fingerprints are full of nerves, so they help our fingers be really sensitive. I hope that answers your question, Delilah, and thank you for sending it in. Now here's a little bit of info about a fun podcast called Mysteries of Science. Hi, I'm Stevie, the Deputy Editor of Science and Nature, the monthly magazine from the team behind The Week Junior. And I'm Michael, the Junior Editor. We host a podcast called Mysteries of Science, which looks at the strange phenomena and bizarre events that have left scientists scratching their heads. There's a brand new episode out right now where we go walking with the dinosaurs. How do we know what these magnificent creatures looked like? So join us and some expert guests as we go fossil hunting and take a journey 66 million years into the past. Listen to the Mysteries of Science podcast wherever you're listening to this. Just search Mysteries of Science. And now it's time for our third and final question, which is about planes and comes from Sam. Over to Sam. Hi, my name's Sam and I'm four years old and we're from Ireland. And I love planes and my question is, why do planes' wings 
open when they are landing and not when they are going up. Hi Sam, thank you so much for sending in such an interesting question. Well, the flaps on a plane's wings are actually used in takeoff and landing, not just landing. Although I definitely have noticed them much more on landing, when I'm looking out the window of a plane to see touchdown. Wing flaps are on the outside edge of a plane's wings. Little planes have small ones, but big large jetliners have as many as three parts on their big flaps. The flaps on a plane increase the lift that a plane's wings are able to produce at a lower speed when they're taking off. That means the pilot can take off at a quite slow speed with extra lift from the flaps. And when landing, they slow the plane down by adding drag. So the pilot can descend steeply and with control to the runway. Both during takeoff and landing, flaps on planes mean the planes need quite short runways by helping them take off and land easily at slower speed with control. Now, did you know the record for the fastest commercial transatlantic flight was set by Concorde? on January the 1st, 1983. It flew from New York to London, just two hours and 56 minutes. I've sat on a Concorde, I remember it. I must have been quite small, maybe like four or five, but I really do remember it. It was very thin and I wish they would come back because you can get to New York in two hours and 56 minutes instead of eight hours is what it takes now without Concorde. Did you know an average Boeing 747 aircraft has over 240 kilometers of wire inside its body? That's the distance between London and Belgium. And finally, disgusting fact. Did you know when commercial aviation began to get off the ground in the 30s and 40s, there were no loos on board? So how did people do away? Well, passengers and the crew used a paper box and when turbulence hit, things began to spill. Also, apparently, pilots would pee in their shoes. No, surely not. Or sometimes through a hole in the cockpit floor. I hope that answers your question, Sam, and thank you for sending it in. Sam and Julia will be getting on a plane to move to Madrid in August, and they want to send lots of love to all the lovely friends they have made in Ireland. The ones they have known since their very first days there, their neighbours, and everyone in junior infants and the first class at St Andrew's School. Have a great time moving to Madrid. It's going to be an adventure. That's all for this week. I hope you have a brilliant week and I want to say a big thank you to the wonderful Marcus de Sotoy for talking to us about numbers and to Sam, Delilah and Sophia for this week's brilliant questions. A big thank you to Ash Gardner at House of Strange for the theme song and Audio Networks for all the lovely incidental music we use this week. Remember, if you have a question you would like answered on everything under the sun, just send it in to me by opening a voice recording app on a phone and recording yourself saying your name, your age, a couple of things you like and ask me your question and then get a grown-up to email it in to molly at everythingundersun.co.uk and I'll answer your question and it may well end up in a book. Do check out Everything Under the Sun, a curious question for every day of the year. A beautiful book with lots of beautiful pictures full of kids' questions from around the world. Have a wonderful week filled with lots of maths, checking out your fingerprints and who knows, maybe you'll get to jump on a plane. If not, you'll definitely see them flying in the sky. And now you know more about them, their flaps, and how, in the beginning, they didn't have loose. Oh dear. Sending lots of sunshine. Thank you and goodbye.